0: Welcome to the latest edition of the Jazznet Weekly Podcast, the Independent Rangers Podcast, which is brought to you by fans for fans where the content is absolutely free. It is episode 153 of the flagship show. I'm your host tonight, I'm Colin Armstrong. As I say all the time, guys, it's not just the pod we have here at Jazznet. You know, if you get onto the website, you'll find some articles there, you know, match previews, match reviews, all that kind of stuff. Frankie's got his social media, obviously. There's a history archive on the website, as well as a forum, so get yourself on there. If you like what we're doing here at JersNet, then give us a wee follow, uh, you know, give Frankie a follow and give us a like and a subscribe uh, on our YouTube channel. We're live tonight. Uh, it's a Sunday night. There's, there's been no Rangers this week, it's an international break, but we'll have a wee look at what's been going on anyway. Uh, so we're live tonight on the Sunday night, but the pod will be available to download and stream on a variety of platforms from tomorrow, including Acast, iTunes, YouTube, Castbox, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, all the usual places, guys, where you get your pods. Uh, and I'll bring in my guests, and it's it's two stalwarts this week, it's two guys that have been here pretty much from, from day one. Well, Ross has definitely been here for day one think John was not too long after that. Or were you in from day one, John?
1: I, I don't think so. No, nah, I think a I have in. Glory Hunter, I
0: thought that. No, nah, Glory Hunter. in after
1: the first few weeks. Yeah, yeah. See, founding members and, John and John a Lord. Glory Hunter,
0: that's what I've got. Exactly, right. exactly. All right, all right. Yeah. all right, okay. So how are you doing, John?
1: How are you doing? you okay? Yeah, they're a good. Week. I'm not bad. Yeah, not too bad, thanks. Um, Sunday night at uh, school holidays, a week ahead of me. Children demanding things, wanting money this is this is my escape this is this is a highlight for me tonight it's all downhill from now (laughs) your life is in a
0: pretty bad state if your highlight is sitting talking to me in a sunday night john let's face it that is pretty
1: bad i I can't think anything grimmer to be honest the last time i've not been on for a while and i'll tell you what's grimmer the last time i was on again you know the comments on youtube we don't see them during this uh, a pal of mine sent me a, a copy of the comments, and somebody in the comments said that guy John looks like Big Angie except he's been deflated. <laughs> <laughs> and I've really been in therapy since then. You know, I spent the last month and a half, been, you know, so uh, so I've kept growing the beard, so I stopped looking a bit like Big Ball, Angie. Like, um, now he's fall. Like
0: that's, that's that. You've got your new nickname and We'll just call you Angeball. That's <laughs> good. That's <laughs> good. But, but
1: that's, six weeks before I'm on again.
0: Uh, we, we were at the Pollock game last week, eh? it, was, it, was, it was quite good, and we bumped into David Fraser as well, our, our fellow podder, uh, six goals, up. three sending-offs, and I was at the game yesterday and I, I saw the keeper score, it's the first time I've ever seen that goalkeeper scoring for a kick-out.
1: I could see us doing a, a Juniors Roundup podcast before the season's over, I think. That's um, a good laugh. Though. I know That's it, was, good it was, it was a great game, it was great fun, um, it was good to see football at at that level again. Um, been a while, I used to go and see Yoker, um, and a long time ago, I used to go and see all the Springbourne teams, but um, it's uh, it's been a couple of years since I was last at a junior game, and the, the Ball of Hawkingley game was great fun. Oh, uh, great atmosphere good. game I had everything. Um, you know, and uh, it's a, it's a it's a good old style ground, so no, we had a good day, didn't
0: we? Uh, it was good, it was good. I enjoyed it just as well. As I said, the keeper scored for those who uh, are watching. Frankie claimed off air that you know he was a bit of a keeper back in the day that he's also scored, but uh, nah, none of us are buying it. I think he's talking about four no there, but there's no way that <laughs> absolutely no way. Uh, anyway, uh, Ross, are you believing that my fellow founding member of the pod, are you believing that Frankie scored? Uh, from
2: a goalkeeper's kick out. So he told us that probably about 10 or 11 minutes ago, right? I don't know how much you know, but part of my job is to find out things online about people. Morning. Um, and uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe it, because you think he said it was a oh, milk cup semi-final in 1880. Uh, yeah, yeah. So that, I've uh, been uh, going through the records. <laughs> so I'll tell you what. No, I'm not convinced. I'm, no, really, I'm not having really
0: that. A, nah, it's, it's been a five-a-side game or something. You know what I mean? I, I think he's just, uh, he's just, he's just at it. So you know, how so you how you coping with no Rangers this week? Did you watch the Scotland game yesterday, or did it not bother you?
2: I did. No, I did watch the Scotland game. Um, and enjoyed it probably more so than than any other Scotland game in the past five years. I thought, um, yeah, it's good. I I tend to um. Much like you boys go to the juniors, I go to to watch some non-league football and and been doing that kind of thing down here as well. So getting a wee bit of a a, a football fix, but um, it's it's not quite the same. Like I say, Scotland scored the winner yesterday, and I had a a, a smile rather than a stoner. I suppose it's how you you describe it. As I might have had with with Rangers, but um, altogether a, a quiet weekend, and I'm not complaining.
0: I think he just put John off his tea there. Uh, I'll be honest with you, my arse did not leave the couch in that one. I, must I mean, I, I didn't watch it all. It was kind of on and I was, I was kind of pottering about and uh, watching it and then having to do stuff. And Actually, when, when Israel went to one-up, my, my son was at the game, I sent him a wee text, like, wall. <laughs> he didn't <laughs> respond. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I, I've got to be honest with you, I just, don't feel it like with Scotland anymore at all. I don't. It's, it's gone. It's quite sad in a way, but it is what it is. Uh, right, guys, I thought we would, you know, as I said, there's no Rangers as such to talk about this week because it's an international break, but there's still been a few things that we can talk about. So we we'll have a wee look at, you know, some of the stuff that's happened through the week. Uh, I think it would be good to sort of revisit the Ryan Portis stuff since, you know, he's uh, Hibbs' appeal was, was, was not back. Uh, and I think it's a good sort of opportunity to look at the season so far and, and sort of gauge where we are. Uh, so John, I'll come to you first. Uh, I, I like your, you you, you you do this every and again, you know, you go into a big rant, like 10, 11 tweets making a point and it was all about the Newcastle takeover and I, and I agreed with a lot of what you said to honestly. Uh, I mean, what's happening in there is just, uh, I find it quite depressing actually and I don't think it's good for the game. Uh, but the inevitable thing came on the back of Newcastle's takeover because you would imagine that Steve Bruce is like <laughs> just just waiting on the, the 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 chop and maybe quite literally given who the owners are, <laughs> you know, <I> mean, <laughs> that axe could be a literal axe. You know yeah. what I mean? Uh, so I, I mean, I think Steve Bruce knows he's he's up. You know what I mean? He's he's not going to be there much longer. You know, they're going to go for someone else. Inevitably, Stephen Gerrard's been linked to the job. Uh, I, I mean, half i I'm not worried about it at all. I'm, I'm quite confident in it. I, I mean, I know everyone's you know it'll be big money, serious money. They'll go for the top players, but I don't know if that suits Gerrard. And I, and I genuinely think if Gerard was to go without getting Rangers into the Champions League, he would he would feel that he'd kind of not completed everything that he wanted to complete. Now, given, you know, whoever wins it, the, the SPFL this season, automatic group stages, you know, he must see that as a great opportunity to A, get in and B, manage a team in that tournament and give him that kind of experience, you know, for future jobs and I think we all know what job he has his eye on. So, I mean, I'm I'm fairly calm about it. I, I noticed today Kenny Dalglish sort of came out and, and said that he, he thinks that, you know, Gerrard will be focused on Rangers and, and he'll know about that interest in the Newcastle job. I mean, it's funny, we spoke about Kenny Dalglish, Dalglish last week when we were at the Paulette game sort of saying, It's the big regret, you know, that he he never went to Rangers as a player, you know, he went to Celtic, given he was a Rangers supporter. But he's doing well in trolling Celtic fans these days, you know, every now and again he comes out with stuff and you're like, I think you're still a bear, Kenny, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Like the stuff he came out, you know, you know, Rangers will always be Rangers to me, you know, because they're saying we're a new club and all that kind of stuff. And he's come out with two or three things since, and and that today felt like another one, you know, he was sort of saying... You think he'll stay and, and he'll not go to Newcastle? How do you feel? Do you think he could be tempted, or do you think
1: he he'll, he'll see the job out up here? I think it'd be naive to say he couldn't be tempted. Uh, you know, he's open to the same temptations all of us are. Um, but it would surprise me at this stage. Uh, you know, I think I think you're right. I think Steve Bruce probably isn't isn't um probably shouldn't be buying a house in newcastle um anytime over the next couple of weeks um is that not a rule of life anyway though probably so. yeah it probably is and i kind of feel sorry for steve because he's a he's a local guy you know he's a, he was a newcastle fan growing up um but i think him taking this Sunderland job for a period of time has kind of ended his um any affection the liverpool that the newcastle fans might have had from but um I mean, let's let's take it as the compliment that it is that you know when a team suddenly comes into a lot of money, then you know Gerard is is being talked about as a potential manager for them because that says he's obviously doing something right with us, and it says that his profile is is growing again in England as a manager. I don't think I would be very surprised if if he's who Newcastle loan for. I mean, you know, none of us really know what. Um, you know, what the guys that own Newcastle have got in mind, but you kind of look at Manchester City, you look at Chelsea, you know, I think they're going to follow that kind of template. I suspect they'll look for a, a manager from, you know, abroad. Um, you know, it wouldn't be the biggest surprise if someone like Mancini was was the kind of guy they were going for, a guy who already knows that league, who's managed there, a guy who's, you know, done it at a very high level, a um, guy who's used to dealing with Um, the kind of agents and people that are going to be floating around Newcastle um, just now but the biggest problem anyone going into Newcastle has just now is the team aren't good enough so you know I I can't see them attracting anybody of the kind of the kind of top managers for a season or two yet uh, until they've kind of got a squad put together so I'm not particularly worried Um, you know I mean I think it was I think if you'd asked me the same thing about Souness a month before he joined Liverpool I would probably have said the same thing he wants want to stay and see the job out and you know as i said everybody can be tempted um you know does does a move to newcastle allow him to spend a bit more time on merseyside i don't really think it does i don't think it's much closer than than he is just now um so i don't think it's got a great deal there and like you i think he probably would quite like to get us at the champions league and have a crack at the champions league as a manager and he's going to get a much better chance staying at rangers to do that than he's ever going to have in newcastle um you know how much money um, they throw at them that you know they've got a you know they're a while away from from competing for the champions league so um i, I think he'll stay with us um i'm fairly confident my concern just now is that somebody tempts away one of our one of our coaches you know that um i don't have too many concerns just now with Gerard i think gerard is, is fairly settled and like you i think he has his i think we all know that the club he has his eye on um and and he kind of knows he has to has to do it up here for um, more than one season for that to happen. Um, but, you know, perhaps somebody looking at bill or Cultural or something might be more of a concern. I'm not suggesting Newcastle will do that, but actually that would probably be more of a concern for me just now is somebody, you know, offering them a chance to become the manager in their own right and they were kind of breaking up the band.
0: Aye, I, I get what you're saying. The, the, the soonest comparison is quite interesting, but I think, I mean, I remember feeling really confident when you know he was linked with the Liverpool job, thinking, "I, ah, will no go, he'll no go." But I think you have to remember the sort of stuff that was going on. with Messiness at the time, you know, there was a lot of negativity. He was getting in fights with tea ladies at St. Johnson for Christ's sake, you know, that's the sort of level of nonsense he was getting involved in. And I think that had a a, a large part in his in his final decision. And he admits now that it's it's the worst decision he ever made. You know, he, he regrets it. I don't think Steven Gerrard has that same negativity. I think everything is is fairly rosy in the garden. Okay, form wise, we're uh, we're kind of we're off colour a wee bit at the moment but no I must admit I, I, I feel fairly confident
1: in, uh, and it's not, it's not Liverpool that are coming calling it. it's, no, it's, that's it's Newcastle I mean. it's a club he yeah. has no connection to it's a club no. he has no emotional attachment with you know you know, as soon as in Liverpool there was a connection there yeah. obviously Gerrard and Liverpool is a connection there but there isn't with Newcastle so um, you know they may well coming off from an obscene amount of money and the kind of money nobody can turn around but I I, just, I can't see it. I don't. I think it's paper talk. International week tends to bring tends to bring these kind of stories out because they don't have anything to write about, and so you suddenly find this daft kind of story. You know, someone asks a bookmaker somewhere to give us your your bets, and then suddenly you've got half a dozen yeah. newspapers writing two page spreads on this. I, I, I think it's all paper talk. I don't think there's anything in it.
0: Ross, uh, uh, on the on the game yesterday, the, the Scotland game. Uh, Nathan Patterson got started, started ahead of uh, O'Donnell, uh, and I, I, as I said, I, I wasn't watching it, you know, fully concentrated. I, I was, I, I was having to run people about, so I was in and out in and out and doing stuff and all that kind of thing. But I, I would say I, I saw about an hour of it, uh, and from what I saw, I, I kind of felt he, he kind of struggled a wee bit in the first half. He, he looked a wee bit off color, kind of similar to the performance he put in certainly in the first half against Hibs. You know, he didn't look him look himself uh, so much. Second half a bit better, but I mean, today when I was flicking was through social media, it was all the you know Celtic fans and Aberdeen fans, not your usual saying he was shy, shouldn't have got a game, blah blah blah. O'Donnell should have started. But I mean, how did you think? He, how, I mean, he's he's very early in his uh, you know international career. He's still very young. You know, him and Gilmore, there's a lot of talk about them being sort of two linchpins in that team for the next sort of however long. How did you feel he, he, he coped and How do you think he played?
2: Yeah, I mean, it would it'd be very easy to sit here and say he was the best player on the park and he should start every game. Um, now, he's undoubtedly Scotland's best right back. Uh, I don't I don't really think there's any doubt in that, that he's better at football than Stephen O'Donnell. But yeah, first half, he was poor. I think it's fair to say he could have done better that, in, in the lead-up to the foul that they gave away for for, for Israel's goal. Um Second half, he completely turns it around, and it's probably the the mark of a 19 year old footballer. He's he's not overly consistent. He's got a lot to learn. He's certainly got a lot to learn at the international level. Um, Israel have decent forward players, and I think I think we all knew that. Um, I think he 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 was chosen for a reason as well because Israel are crap at the back, and he he poses a, a fair amount of attacking and threat. And I thought he he did the job that he was brought in to do in the second half. His his link up play with the likes of McGinn and Gilmore was, was really, really strong second half. You could see that um, Patterson and Gilmore had had played football together before. They had a really strong understanding, and obviously they've, they've come from the same place. Um, there were a number of times where he looked keen and ready to go and take on his man at the uh, at the byline and, and cut inside, but maybe had instructions to check back and, and recycle the ball, and that's, that's okay. That's the way that the manager wants him to play. But... Um, Yeah, definitely a a game of two halves for Patterson. Not great first forty-five minutes, but really, really turned it on second half. I mean, I think we can sometimes be a little bit hypersensitive to the the, the barking of idiots on the internet. I mean, I I don't think it's particularly important what Celtic fans on Twitter want to say about Nathan Patterson's performance. Um, Celtic have dominated that Scotland side for for a good decade now, but. By my calculation, Rangers and Celtic had the same number of players in the starting eleven yesterday, which was which was one. We had Nathan Patterson; they had Callum McGregor. Um, I don't think they particularly like that as a as a fan base. That, that we're now kind of back on a, on an even footing. So um, I w- I'm really happy to see you could see what it meant to him after the game. I don't think he'll have been particularly proud of his performance uh, first half in particular, but you could see that he was really pleased to be part of that moment, part of that side. Um, I think it's important for for Rangers to be contributing to the national team. Um, I kind of grew up with a, a a Scotland squad that was dominated or had a really core spine of of, of Rangers players, and um, I think that that's a good thing for us as a club. I think that Gerard appreciates that and Gerard rates that as well. All of the issues that we've spoken about a number of times on this show about the SFA, about the Tartan Army, about Steve Clark, none of that goes away because we have a good player playing for the national side, and I think we all. Can enjoy yesterday's result and still have all of those reservations, and and try to find a way to to kind of I don't know put those juxtapose those two things and and move forward with supporting the national side. But when it comes to the player, he's a 19 year old lad and he's starting for his country. He's now contributed significantly to them progressing into a very good position to potentially qualify for a, a World Cup. I think it's I think it's a good thing. Uh, same with yourself, Ross. I mean, look,
0: looking at some of the impact of, you know, some of the, the, the other uh, Rangers players and in, in their various international squads, I, I see Sakala scored for, for Zambut tonight and it was a really, really good goal. So hopefully that'll help him. Uh, Balogun, I, I saw he scored as well, although rather worryingly, he also came off injured and given our centre-half situation, that that could be a developing story for, for the game against Hearts on... On Saturday. Uh, but I really wanted to talk about Yanis Haji's goal against, against Germany. I, I, I mean, since he's came back for injury, he's just no looked himself. I, I think, you know, I, I thought he started the season really strongly. He obviously picked up that injury out for a couple of games. He's came back in and just not really looked on it. But the, the goal that he scored, I mean, it's, it's typical Haji, you know, what I mean, the, the, to me, the biggest attribute that he's got See if you, see if you were to ask someone what foot does he shoot with? I don't think anyone knows because he's so comfortable with both. And, and, and that's what he does. He, he, he does the German defender as if with a double step over, uh eh, and, and sort of hits it with his left foot. You know, I mean, you think about like the goals that he scored against Braga, you know, the free kick and all that kind of thing, right foot, you know, his first one was left foot. You know, he, he is so, I, I think as a defender, it must be, it must be a nightmare because he can turn either way. He, he, you know, With most players, you can say, right, he's, he's comfortable on his left or he's comfortable on his right. He's going to try and turn this particular way. And as a defender, you can try and prepare for that. The worst thing, surely, for a defender is, is if a player's coming at you and you're thinking, where is he going to go? Because if he goes that way hes or that way, he's hes is comfortable and is good on either foot. So I, I hope this puts him back in a position now and gives him a wee bit of confidence because I thought he started the season really, really well. I thought he was looking potential sort of player of the season material if he continued that, but he's tailed off. And I mean Germany. I mean, I know they've, they've they've struggled the last few years, but you know, it's one of it's one of the big major nations. It's a great moment for him.
2: It's a it's a fantastic moment for him. Um probably a fantastic moment for the directors of Rangers as well to see actually he's doing that on a, on an international stage against one of the best teams in the world. That's uh, that's another couple of million on the price tag, if anyone ever wants to make a bid for a player. Um yeah what you're saying about is he going this way or is he going that way? I mean, the top-class defenders do their research on their opposition, and they know their strong foot, their weaker foot, they know to show him down a certain side or they know to try and force him to cut back or whatever it might be. You can see, I think it's Antonio Rudiger, isn't it, that he, that he nutmegs? Yeah, yeah, Um You can see in Rudiger's face, he's going, I don't know what this boy's going to yeah. do. Uh, is he And he kind of covers both, is he going to go this way or is he going to go that way? And he goes through the middle and nutmegs him. And that's that's what you get when there is someone so kind of two footed and um, it's, is, it's is classic Haji cause he, he's made the boy look silly. And then he's um I think he's caught the keeper off guard as well. Cause he kind of actually just toe pokes it. Yeah. Um, but it's yeah, it's a, it's a wonderful goal. Sakala's goal as well, by the way. Um, yeah, uh, it's it,
0: one, one of the defenders had to pay to get back in. He took know. him so far out the game, you know. Yeah. You could and
2: see him going into his back pocket for change to pay to get back into the game. It was, and as you and I know, Equatorial Guinea are producing some of the highest quality defenders absolutely. in the world at yeah. the moment. The new Baldini and Baresi and all that. Yeah. So, um, look, it's a it's a lovely goal from Sakala as well. Um, again, absolutely embarrassing some defenders and and. Uh, finishing with with real style, so I hope for both of them it does them a lot of uh, a lot of good in terms of confidence. I think that Hadji is one of our players who is a every player is a confidence player naturally. They're, they're all human, but I think Hadji, I think Barisic, players like that really do need big moments to to um, to believe in themselves again. And, and Hadji, yeah, stop start season. Um, and I guess even last season, you probably never really felt that we were getting everything out of Giannis Hadji. that there was always a little bit more that, that that he could bring. And we've seen nights like Braga um, where he really turned it on. There was the game, this is really bad, because I've forgotten what game it was, about three or four weeks ago where he came on as a sub. and We scored within about two minutes to so change the game um, and went on to win. So uh, he, he he has these sort of flashes of real brilliance. I know it was in no, the Levy game, is that no, the cup game? Uh, the the Levy yeah. cup game, we won yeah. it 2-0, that's right. Um, so yeah, look, I I think he's a, a an excellent player. I think that sometimes we don't necessarily know how to utilise him still to get the best out of him. And I think that he is, let's um, say, mercurial. He fades in and out sometimes, not necessarily in, in in the same game, but over a three or four game period, he'll go from from excellent to ineffective, and then he'll be dropped for a bit. Or uh, it, we never seem to get a really consistent run out of Januzaj, but. Yeah, really pleased for him. You could see again what it meant to him to, to score for his country, and uh, it's it, Leon Balogun, Yanis Hadji, and Fashion Sakala all scoring in the same international window is um, is excellent. And let's not forget, you know, Joe Aribo playing in that Nigeria game as well. Calvin Bassi was on the bench. Uh, Kamara Roof was, I think, on the bench for Jamaica yeah. against the States. Um, it's just it's great to see us. Represented uh, Borna Barasic on the bench for Croatia as well, so um, great to see us representing internationally. And uh, let's just sort of cross our fingers on on Leon Balogun because that is not something that we need right now. Is more more issues at the back.
0: John, uh, on 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 another centre half who's out law loan, Katic. I was reading today that he scored yesterday for for Hadjik Splat don't know why they had a round of games during an international weekend. I'll have to I'll have to check that. But uh, apparently, any celebration, he actually actually burst it. He burst it green. He, he, you know, he got quite emotional in the celebration. It's his first goal since uh, that header against Celtic in two thousand and nineteen. That, 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 that won the one that they won the game that day. Sorry. You know, I mean, in terms of in terms of catch, it's you know, it's it's good to see him coming back, you know, and given the sort of the chat earlier on about Balogun and the the potential for that to be a real problem at centre-half, you know, given Hollander's uh, out injured at the moment. You know, uh, is there an argument to say that we could maybe bring him back in earlier, you know, in January if if the situation develops? Because you you would think a goal would give him the confidence. I mean, he's obviously getting game time over there. He's bulked up something horrific. He's, he's, his whole body shape is it's totally different now. Uh, and given the sort of centre- centre-half situation, I mean, if Balogun is injured, you know, could you see a situation where Cattic might actually come back a wee bit earlier?
1: Obviously, I don't know the I don't know the ins and outs of his loan agreement. I'm not sure if he can be recalled at any time or if it has to be in the January window or um, I'm not entirely sure how that works. But, yeah, I mean, we're, we're an injury to Balogun away from playing, you know, Bassey with you know, one of the boys for the B team um, uh, uh, on the bench. Um, so, uh, absolutely, you could see, um, you know, Gerard deciding. Well, you know, what we do need to do something. We have a problem here. It, it I doesn't think he would trust,
0: sorry, sorry it doesn't yeah. seem like he trusts Simpson either. Though, you know, what I mean, it's so you've, you're saying Basti, but
1: Simpson as well. I don't, I don't think he trusts him. Uh, well, Simpson's he's not really been in the picture recently. I assume yeah. Simpson was one of the secret COVID kids or something because he's, he's kind of. You know, because I mean, you would have expected him to have played. Um, I would have expected him to have had more game time by now. Um, you know, I, even when all the centre-halves are fit, Gerrard quite likes to rotate the ones that play with Goldson. Um, far less when we've got guys injured. Um, I've not seen enough of Simpson to know if he's, you know, if he's going to make it or not. If he's, You know, everyone, I think, needs a few games to um, find their feet. And I haven't seen enough of him to know whether he's, you know, he's going to be the player he is. Uh, he's played so few games in his career that, you know, he needs a run of games. And that's the thing with Katich just now. Katich needs a run of games. Katich needs to get his, his match fitness back up. He needs to, you know, he needs to go into a few challenges and, and see how his knee comes through him. Um, and I think what we're doing, uh, seeing the bigger picture, I think that's the right thing to do. You know, I think sending him to, you know, a, a league he's familiar with, um, you know, sending him there uh, and... You know, potentially getting a season that, you know, the Croatian league is, you know, is probably not quite as good as the Scottish league, but they can't be much in it. You know, I mean, I suppose actually you're probably your your third and fourth place teams in in Croatia are probably better than the third and fourth teams in in Scotland. So that's probably incorrect what I said there. But either way, you know, it's a similar standard. If he can go there, get regular game time, uh, I think that's the best thing for his career. I hope we don't have to recall him. But I agree with you entirely. I think there's a chance we could. Um, I've noticed it's the it's been the lad it has been another Irish lad that they've been calling up to the to the bench um, from the B team, and not Leon King. Because um, Leon King, I think, was 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 expected to be kind of you know the next in line centre half, yeah. but it's the lad. Is it is it, McCle- is it McClelland? Yeah, um, we were talking about this at the Paul game last week, wasn't it? It was, yeah. it was David Fraser that was mentioning it, aye. Yeah, so it's been the lad McClellan that's been getting onto the bench, so, you know, it may be that that he's, you know, they feel maybe he's ready for, um, you know, he's maybe ready for some game time, Um, you know, I, I haven't actually seen any of the B team, I've seen some highlights of their games, but I haven't actually seen a game myself, um, but I know the lad in made, um, you know, the Northern Ireland um, kind of age group teams, um, seems to be, progressing quite well so it, it may be that um you know maybe he's the future um, but it's a concern I, I don't know the extent of Balogun's injury either but you know if he was out for you know three or four weeks then yeah that would be with with you know a game against hearts coming up with the important games against Broadway coming up um you would you would be wanting at least two centre-halves playing at centre-half <laughs> um you know and not an inexperienced right back um, so uh, I don't. We're not going to bring him back for Europe. I'd be amazed if we brought him back before Christmas, but it wouldn't surprise me. If we brought him back um, in January. January. And, uh, if this continues, particularly if Hellander's out for for an extended period. If that looks like a season, um, you know, kind of season-ending injury, then you know that might be how it works. I'm you now, John, because uh, Ross is too young to talk about <laughs>
0: the next topic. Uh, again, you know, having a, having a wee look through the. Sort of uh, the media of the day trying to find anything to talk about for tonight's show that was Rangers related. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I noticed that uh, NASA and, and a couple of other sort of North American Canadian sort of Ranger supporters clubs and stuff like that are, are, are lobbying to get Andy Gray inducted into the sort of Hamden uh, Hall of Fame. Uh, I, I mean Andy Gray. I mean I accept that he's. You know, his his reputation has taken a bit of battering and, you know, for for good reasons, you know, what he was caught saying and all that at at Sky. And he's kind of a bit of a joke figure now and I get that. But I, I, I wanted to talk about that small period when he was at Rangers, right? Because I don't think I can remember a more enthusiastic Rangers supporter who played for the club. You know, I mean, the, the first time I realised he was a Rangers fan was uh, he was he was doing the, the co-commentary on a, on a Rangers Celtic game. It was a game Ian Durant scored, I don't know if you remember it. I do, I, Sunday, David
1: Cooper's back heel. David
0: Cooper sort of slipped him through, aye, and he, he ran in and goal. And Andy Gray was on the co-coms that day, he asked me first. And, and before the game, I actually sort of said, oh, what end of the ground would you be in? And he was like, oh, I'd be in the Rangers end and blah, blah, blah. And then, like, towards the end of his career, you know, it, it really was like the, the, the fag end of his career. He, he got his move to Rangers and he played there for six months or something. You know, he wasn't there a huge amount of time, but he really did. Every time he played, he looked like a kid in a sweetie shop. I don't know if this is how you remember him, right? And I remember that I'd, I'd be about 15, 16 at the time. And I used to, quite often when I went to the games, I would stand outside Ibrox to get my programme signed and all the rest of it. And Andy Gray, when he came out again, just that enthusiasm. He just, honestly, he, he came out with a, a smile as wide as the Clyde, you know, just, he just looked so happy to actually, you know, play for the club, you know, he, to achieve that ambition at that stage of his career. Every time he scored, you know, he looked like a kid at Christmas. Uh, and, it, and he's, I find him quite an interest. I know he's, he's, his reputation is a bit tainted now and all the rest of it, but as a Rangers player, I have to say, I, I, I enjoyed his time at the club. I
1: thought he was a really, really likeable player and likeable character. Yeah, um, I mean, I don't know what the. I, I should have, if I'd had a bit more time before this, I would have, I would have checked to see what the criteria is to get into the the, the Scotland Hall of Fame, um, because he didn't he didn't play that many times for Scotland. Um, you know, I had a look and he, he played twenty games for Scotland, scored seven goals. Um, at a time when Scotland Scotland were quite good, you know, yeah. at a time when Scotland were regularly qualifying for World Cups, uh, when Scotland had some some good players. Um, well, yeah, at that time, you've got Kenny Douglas, so straight away you're you're struggling to get a place. Well, and Jordan, yeah, are like, you know, and, and you know, uh, the two exceptional centre forwards. Um, yeah, I, I, and there was there was other players as well. Um, who were who were who were pretty. I mean, Derek Johnson had a spell yeah. in, in the yeah. kind of mid to late seventies when he was absolutely this world. Um, but so Kenny didn't play as often for Scotland. He was one of these players who suffered a lot from injuries. Um, and, and partly that was down to his style you know, he, he was a physical player, he was a, a combative player um, he also suffered I think because he played at a time in England, um, now there'll be some people listening to this who don't realise that there was football played in England before Sky TV started yeah. showing it, mm. but they did play football in England before that and and I think part of Gray's problem is that he played at that time, um, so you know, his games, you know, they weren't Every single team wasn't getting played live um, on national TV. You know, it was a, a small highlight show on a Saturday night. Um, but actually, when you look at his career, you realise, you know, he was actually some player. <laughs> he was, yeah. <laughs> he had a crank yeah. career. You know, he won the league with Everton, and he really was the talisman um, that season. Um, he won the FA Cup. He, he won the European Cop- Cup Winners' Cup. Cup Winners' Cup, yeah. Huh? Um, he, he was denied a, a shot at the uh, European Cup. Um, because of of, of uh, England teams being being banned after after Everton won the league, and you know who knows what, what could have happened because Everton had, had quite a team, and English football was very very strong at that time. They scored the winner in the Cup Winners Cup final. I, I, I think it was against. Yeah. Uh,
0: they put Celtic. Out. I couldn't have told. Controversially, about that. Uh, who was it? Vienna was it? No, Rapid Vienna. Oh, Rapid Vienna game. Yeah, where they get, get yeah the boys in yeah, the bottom. And yeah, they played them so again. So Celtic could initially beat. Celtic could initially beat them. And because of the, the bottle coming on the park and all the rest of it, I'm sure they were forced to play at a neutral venue, which was Old Trafford, I think. That's and right. Rapid Vienna won and, and reached the final. But the thing about that... Uh, one mean, of I the Celtic,
1: Celt at that game, just, you know, just because it's playing. Manchester, a Celtic fan, attacked the Rapid Vienna player. <laughs> he kicked <laughs> them square
0: in the... Aye, 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 caught him in, caught in, the, softs, like, aye, aye, caught in the sweet spot. Aye, aye mm. that's right, I mean that. Uh, but another thing about Andy Gray is when he, when he moved to Everton, I think they were like, they were fighting off relegation, you know, and within a season of him arriving, they'd won the league, you know, or, uh, they've won the Cup Winners' Cup, they've won the FA Cup, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, but I just remember him being a really enthusiastic, and I mean, he looked like how I felt it would be to play for Rangers, you know, just like, running about like, oh my God, I'm playing for Rangers, you know what I mean? Uh, and so, yeah, I, I, I mean, as I say, I know he's a bit of, a, not damaged, but his, his reputation took a wee bit of a, a pummeling because of him and Keys and all the sort of nonsense that they were saying uh, on Sky and they got caught out. But yeah, that that six months or whatever when he was at Rangers, like that, I found him a likeable character, a really good player, uh, a really honest player. You know what I mean? As you say, very competitive. I mind him scoring a last-minute equaliser against St. Mum. I love Street. Yeah, and That's honestly, mem-
1: that is my memory of him.
0: And honestly, it's he, just he
1: looked like a, a toddler running about, like yay! yeah, <laughs> he, was, he, uh, he was a big toddler. That was all yeah, the way he was carrying yeah. kind of a bit of timber by the time he got to Rangers. Um, <laughs> he was he was a shrewd bye by by because he, he obviously was a very experienced player. You know, as a guy who'd won the league in England, this is a guy who'd, who'd yeah. uh, you know played at the top flight in England and. and um, again, I think I didn't know. Um, I, I, I probably didn't know at the time, but I, I had to look at when I was reading about Miller again. Um, that he won the Young Player of the Year and the Player of the Year at the same time. There you go. One of only three players to have ever done that in England um, to have won both in the same season. So you know, he, he he was a player who had exceptional seasons, and then would get an injury. And would only play twenty games the next season. You know, it was yeah. that kind of player. He, yeah. he, he 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 did have issues with injury, um, but you know his 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 stats are oh, well, you know they stand up to anybody. So I can understand you know NASA or whoever it is that's suggesting him for this. You know, it's not a ridiculous idea. Um, you know he he is you know his career is, is quite famous. I actually read his autobiography many years ago. Um, his uh. And it's quite interesting, you know, I mean, his, his career path is quite interesting. Another player that Rangers overlooked, you know, a guy from Dunchapel,
0: yeah. Um,
1: you know, a, a guy who, you know, was who was doing very well at youth football and it was Dundee United that, that came and picked him up and signed him and um, took him up to Tanadice, um, you know, but he's, he was quite open, just waiting for someone from Rangers to come and, see, <laughs> going to come and sign but for he us me. And, and he would absolutely have done it. Yeah. Um, you know, Rangers, again, this is the thing you and I talked about last week, you know, Rangers scout in the 70s was just terrible. <laughs> the scouting around Glasgow it was just yeah. terrible. When I mean, Doug Leash, somehow or other, we managed to overlook Ken Doug who was playing, you know, in the pitch along the road. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah. Andy Gray, John wart Graham Sharp, all guys that, um you know, went on to play for Scotland, on had great careers in England, who all wanted to play for Rangers. um no, no, no. And somehow or other, we, we managed to overlook. So, I, uh, you know, Gray's an interesting one. You're right. You know, he's. I guess for an awful lot of people, they will only associate him with his TV time. But he was a sure signing by soonest because he brought a lot of experience in. Plus, he was a really bubbly character. Was, you know, you talk there about him being a, like a kid in the sweet shop. And I think he was like that all through his career. You know, that that really bubbly, really effervescent guy, uh, good guy around the dressing room. Um, you know, and, and soonest was clever. This was a thing he learned at Liverpool, to bring in a guy for the last third of the season, give the squad a boost, you know, shake everybody up. So somebody new here, conditions yeah. under threat. Just to just kind of get that mm-hmm. momentum. Something that you know, you can't do. Can't do now. No. Um, thing. But I think that soonest learned um and brought into Rangers and and he, and he did it to you know, he did it with a couple of guys. I remember, he brought in Mel Sterling one season, he brought in Neil um, Gordon, I think, was, was was one season as well. Nigel Spackman came in, well, you know, buying guys mid-season who just just give the, the squad a boost. And and Andy Gray did that. And I, I, it's funny, I remember that Simmon game, and I remember just thinking, I remember actually this, initially the crowd kind of laughing on him. You know, he just he seemed like you say that enthusiasm. I mean, he was slow and he was big, um, and and we kinda, everybody kind of knew he was he was past his best. But by the end of that game, he'd won his round. By the end of that game. You realise, no, no, no. This guy's here they give a hundred percent, and you know, yeah, this guy can contribute. Um, yeah, so, yeah uh, you know, why not? You know, he's he's um, he certainly did more in his career than uh, an awful lot of others do.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. Hey, Ross, come uh, 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 back to what John said earlier on about you know it's an international break, and so in, in terms of getting headlines and stuff like that, it's a bit of a silly season, you know. So a lot of reporters will just. Find a story for anywhere. And there was an interesting one came out today. Neil Lennon's, uh, 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 he, he seems to be on a charm offensive. They must be looking for a job, I think. Uh, but there was an interesting line, and he it, it, it sort of had a pop at Stephen Gerrard. He had a pop at pretty much the whole Celtic squad, saying that some of them weren't they turning up, and that Scott Brown and uh, a couple of other, like at McGregor, you know, the, their standards dipped as well because they're you know, these bad eggs in the dressing room. But then he made an interesting comment saying, you know, eh, nobody can really question what I've done. I won, I won five out of seven trophies eh, the second time I was at the club. Steven Gerrard has won one out of nine, and I just kind of thought, why? You know, why would you say that? It's, it's just, it just seemed like a, a pointless dig eh, at, at Gerrard, and and it also lacked any context. I mean, Neil Lennon was going into a squad that, that that was, you know, like a, like a freight train. It was like a runaway train. It was, you know. Winning trophy after trophy after trophy. Well, Stephen Gerrard came into a club that was on the floor, you know, after Pedro and all that kind of thing. And one out of nine. If you just look at the numbers, I find fair enough, but that they don't tell the full story. And I just found it a needless and a bit a petty comment, if I'm being honest. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, yeah, you're not comparing like for like there at all. Uh, the context uh, of, of those two clubs at that time is. Um, is clearly very important and, and so fundamental that we do even need to go into the difference between uh, Celtic post-Rogers versus Rangers post-Caixinha and Murty. So um, why is he making that comment? Well, he's clinging to any form of relevance. You know, he's he's trying his best to make a career as a pundit down south. You know, we see him popping up on Talk Sport and Five Live every now and then. Um, I think the media down here has realized that actually Ali McCoy's better at being a pundit and we don't need Neil Lennon. Um, so that's, that's not really working. I, I cannot see I mean, what, what football club is going to take on Neil Lennon as a manager. Now, I mean, look, look beyond Celtic, look at Bolton, look at Hibbs, yeah. you know, those, those were not successful periods. Bolton in particular was a shambles. It was shocking. So um, yeah, he, he's, he's, he's desperate, I think, to try and remain um, relevant. And he'll, I think he'll pop up every every couple of months. That comment is a, is a funny one. You know, I won five out of seven. Well, I'd say five out of eight because um, he's obviously he's talking about the Scottish Cup and the League Cup that, that he lost in that last year. He lost the league. So let's, let's include that. But, you know, if it's five out of eight, Neil Lennon's second period at Celtic will not be defined by the five trophies he won it will be defined by those three that he lost and how he lost them because that was that is a story, how Neil Lennon lost those three trophies from the position that they were in when he took on that squad. That's a real story and that's the mm. reason that he's not getting any other jobs and that's the reason that he's trying to bump his guns to stay in the spotlight so people remember who he is because otherwise our Twitter timelines will get clogged up with more and more videos of Neil Lennon or the races pushed out of his mind and having to be helped into a taxi home. So he needs work Clearly, he needs something to do, and um, it's it's an easy target, isn't it? He, he's also he he lost all sort of good favour with the Celtic fans because of how last season unfolded, and that was you can talk about Scott Brown and Callum McGregor and a few bad eggs in the dressing room. The players were not fit. There was no tactical structure to the team. The coaching was abysmal. Um, it was about more than bad eggs and bad attitudes in the dressing room. There was no direction from the top of the club. And that's on him, that's on the manager. Um, he's never once, as far as I can see, taken any responsibility for that. No.
0: So I, 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 he's, This is something I think Lennon gets a free ride on. Now like I mean, we can all laugh at the, the images that we've seen of him being in a bit of a, you know, a drunken state and all the rest of it. But to me, it, it did kind of point to... Things not being great in his life and all that kind of thing, there could be maybe issues there. And I, and that's, you know, that's by the by, that's fine. You know, if people have got issues, I'm I'm, no, I'm certainly not going to come in and wade in and, and rip the piss out of them. However, one thing I, I'm quite sort of strong on is if you've got issues, you know, own them and, and take responsibility for your failings. Now, whether there was reasons behind, you know, his professional life failing, or well, that's Neither here nor there. He failed, but he never, he never seems to own up to it. He never accepts responsibility for when things go wrong, but he's always willing to accept responsibility when things go right. And I, 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 found it quite interesting a couple of weeks ago that Scott Brown seemed to be having a go at Neil Lennon when he was talking about his current manager saying, you know, well, last season there was no organization, there was no coaching, there was no this. And I don't think he was talking about Aberdeen there. You know what I mean? He was talking about his own personal experience. And I took that as a, as a sort of, I dig at Neil Lennon. And, and I, I, I agree with you. I, I don't think he takes any responsibility. And I think he gets a free ride. I don't think he gets pulled up by the media for that. I, I, I think they, they brush that under the carpet and, and try everything they can to, you know, make him look a better person than he actually is.
2: Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. Because if you, if you were to do a season review of, of what went wrong at Celtic, the players found tools after a while and there was a, a, a COVID impact. But, it, you know, as, as we've just said, it was the lack of tactical direction it was a lack of sophisticated coaching there were always rumors coming out that his approach was the 1980s clough in the dressing room going absolutely tonto at players who want to view themselves as superstars now rightly or wrongly that's not going to work in today's environment um and you i i i was delighted with how Lassie have i don't have a lot of good feeling or goodwill towards neil lennon um he is a man who I think has repeatedly just tried to poke fun at Rangers deliberately. So do you remember that that clip from an old Scottish Cup game? or an old, uh, It was an old game on BT Sport, I think. And Chris Sutton is talking about how the Rangers directors have no direction. They don't know what they're doing. The club's rotten and Neil Lennon sits there laughing. He yeah. loved it. He loved that period. He loved that time of success for Celtic. He contributed nothing to it, though. He contributed nothing to it. He, his recruitment was appalling. His tactics were shocking. And when the the players that Rogers had acquired had either decided they weren't up for it, they weren't playing for this guy, or they got too old or they got sold, the thing fell apart. He needs to own that. And um, let us say, he's burned all of his bridges with the Celtic support. The way, if he wants to repair those bridges, the way to do it is not by talking about how many trophies he won. That is, that's the you know the worst misreading of the room that that I've ever seen. The way to yeah. do it is to is to own those failings. Um, talking about the fact that, that Steven Gerrard has won one out of nine trophies doesn't really mean anything.
1: No, I no. actually
2: think Lennon will get another gig in Scotland.
1: I think he's got one more. I think he's got one more goal. I think I think he did better at Hibs than you give him credit for. It fell apart towards the end, but I think he you know, he had a couple of good seasons. I think he's the kind of manager, you said something interesting that he said back to the ladies like Clough. That is actually, there is a direct line to Neil Lennon from Clough because obviously O'Neill was the biggest um, influence on, on Lennon as a manager. And O'Neill's biggest influence was Clough. Um, and O'Neill himself said that he styled his management style on, on Clough, where he basically stayed away from the training ground all week. And then would come in and talk to them on a Friday and a Saturday because he believed that they didn't listen to you if they heard you every day if they heard you speak every day they stopped listening to you after a while so you had to just come in and, and, and you know different managers have different ways of working i'm not i'm not i'm not condoning that i'm certainly not complimenting it it worked for Clough um you know Neil Lennon's no 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 Brian Clough um but i do think he's actually him, he might be enough. as in one one uh, way of his his life if you know what I mean uh, well, yeah you might be right there actually <laughs> yeah, that's a good point yeah. but uh, I actually you know, I said this last season half joking but I actually think he's going to get the Aberdeen job at some point I think um, I think that might happen at some point I think um, the Aberdeen job and you know there's a match made in heaven um, mm. but I think that might happen because Aberdeen but it was happening at Aberdeen is not working um, it, it's definitely not working just now they'll tolerate it for a while but you know if, yeah. if they're you know, sitting forth from bottom at Christmas, the manager's gone. Um, you know, and and lennon is the type who could come in and give you, you know, a year, 18 months of players fired up, of players, you know, fighting for the jersey and and you know being hard to beat. And, and you know, he's like, he can do that and then it'll fall apart because you're right, there's no there is no bigger picture, there is no structure, it is a it's a motivational type of management that he does rather than a, a structural type, in, in my opinion. But I, I still think that'll happen. I still think he'll get another gig somewhere. Probably... I, don't, I, I don't know what Scott Brown's doing right now, but I know he just
0: shuddered. They just went, whoa. He's <laughs> <laughs> got a horrible shudder there. Can you, can it's you all imagine, doing to you, John.
2: It's your fault. Imagine if he did go to Aberdeen. How, I mean, they already... Play at one hundred and fifty percent against Rangers because yeah, they, I, don't, I, don't I know, I don't know imagine. Imagine. <laughs> Jeez, oh. right. either that or he'll end up at Dundee because you know the special partnership between those. I guys. will.
0: That's yeah. not the worst. That's not the worst. Like the worst idea. Either. Uh Gordon Strachan, will get my job. Uh, mm-hmm. Right, uh, guys, on, on to the sort of Portis stuff through the week. There, you know, it, I mean, I thought it was laughable that Hibbs put the appeal in in the first place. Uh, I, and and John, I'll come to you in this one. The whole, I, I call it sort of, you know, it's like, it's like made up controversy. You know, what I mean, it's manufactured controversy, and it's happening so often now. With Rangers games. And it happened at the Dundee game. You know, so the last two Rangers games before the international break, you had the Dundee game where the referee had a big call to make and got it right. You know, he gave the penalty but didn't send off McLaughlin because he made it. He, he, he attempted to get the ball. Hundred percent, the right decision. Yeah, it rumbles on for about four or five days, and you know, and all the papers and all that kind of stuff. Then there was a the Ryan Portis thing. Now, I've got to be honest with you, from my seat in the in the governor year, when I first seen it, the Ryan Portis one, I was like, oh, don't know if that was a sending off. But when you when you see it, when you see it properly on the TV, right. you're like, no, that's a, that is a sending off. You know, he's over the ball, straight leg, studs up. If he'd have connected with a you know, I don't even want to think if, if if Aribo's foot was planted and and Porteous has met him, you know, he's broke his leg. Yeah, he's, there's still this sort of controversy about the decision, you know. And even like even some of the, the, the pundits in sports scene, you know, they're saying, No, no, I think who was it that was on? It was uh, oh, what's his name? The Stallone's a chippy, in Queen Street or dead, McFadden, <laughs> McFadden. Things you learn on this podcast. Well really he doesn't anymore, he sold it. But uh chip shop in the Queen Street. Yeah, it does I uh, in the town, in Glasgow. Yeah, he does, aye. It's, he sold it now. But you know he had a he's had a chip in there, right? Not that we're going off topic at all, but aye, I didn't even aye. think where there is a chip shop in Queen Street. aye. aye it was like a wee cafe chippy towards yeah. the bottom of Queen Street aye. Anyway, uh you know he was saying definite red card, blah blah blah. You know, you're you're the referee on Sky on the Monday that goes over all the big decisions. Both both times he was like, "No, the referees." But yeah, it still rumbles on. You still get your usual prats like Michael Stewart and all that making a huge, huge, big thing about it. He's just like, it, "I find it boring." Though. It annoys me, but it, it, it's more boring. You know what I mean? It's just like, it's just like if there's certain people within the media. The minute there's any sort of decision around Rangers, they just try and make it into this big thing when it's not. You know, the referee on both occasions got it right. I mean, I'll give you two similar incidents that got absolutely no sort of highlight after it. The two-footed tackle uh, from Johnny... I'm having a brain freeze here tonight. Place for Aberdeen, scored against us. Recently? Ah, he scored. He played for Celtic. Right, ugly boy. Johnny Hayes. Johnny Hayes. Hayes. Two-footed tackle. Right. Two footy tackle he put in at the Summerman game a couple of weeks ago. He never, I don't think he got booked for it, but he certainly never got a red card, right? And it was a definite red card. You know, it, again, it was, it was similar to, you know, Portis's. He could have, he could have done some real damage. And the Celtic penalty against Dungeon United, Dungeon United had a stonewall penalty <laughs> denied, right? And that was a red card because the guys made no attempt to play the ball. And that's just discussed and then forgotten about. Whereas two decisions by Rangers that were the correct decision, just rumble on and rumble on and rumble on, and
1: I, I just get—I'm just getting bored. If I'm being honest, there's a number of factors in this for me, Colin, and you could probably spend half an hour talking about it. And I know we've got five minutes, so I won't. But I think partly Portis—I think gets an easy ride from the media in this country. Um, I think Portis because he's young, because he's Scottish, gets a much easier ride, and, and I'll say this. And I don't think anyone listening to me. Can you imagine Morelos had made that tackle? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they'd be calling for the death penalty. I mean, there's just no way that it actually would have been the same. Um, I think another factor is it shows just the level of of poverty when it comes to understanding the rules of football that that pundits haven't Scotland on. Um, you know, it 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 it's there's no doubt it's a penalty. I mean, I was amazed at Hibbs put in an appeal. I think they were just playing at the gallery yeah. because even the manager after the game wasn't even trying to justify it. You know, um, so I, I, I just I, I was baffled that they put in an appeal. Um, so you know, <laughs> another strange one, another sad one. Michael Stewart, these kind of guys. You know, Stewart knows that he gets. Um, you know, he, he gets the pats in the back from the people he wants pats in the back from if he's having to go at Rangers you know, it's just, it's boring but it, it, it's reality um, it's interesting what you're saying about these things kind of rumble on, I don't know how much that has to do with Rangers current stance towards the, the kind of traditional media um, you know, and, and the fact that there really isn't anybody speaking for us just now in the media, um, and that may be playing a part in why these things going kind to of, seem to rumble on for us. But I think the last thing is that, you know, it's Rangers. So it's box office. And that's why, you know, nobody cares if Johnny Hayes two footed a at Mun player. Um, you know, if it's if Rangers are involved, then then it's box office. It generates headlines, it generates clicks, it generates paper sales, you know, people listening to radio stations. Um that's the reality. Um if if you're talking about Rangers, then Rangers fans will listen. And so do the fans of all the other clubs. You know, you know. Let's be honest. If this was happening, if this was happening um, at, uh, uh, to, if this had been a, a, for example, a Celtic a Celtic player had done this, or this had happened to a Celtic player, um, you know, we wouldn't care. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, not, it's not something I would be terribly interested in. You'd maybe see the highlights. You'd maybe think, you know what, you know that's. That was a that was a sending off or or, or whatever you view viewing it would have been and that's that you move on you, you go back to thinking of your own team rangers are the box office rangers are the ones that, that that drive the media in this country in terms of the sports media and that, that's that's the problem here um but you know portis, I, I find portis frustrating because i think there's a player in there you know i do think there's a player in there but he's clearly got you know there's something at the back he said and he can't be very bright you know he's not very professional you know and I mean if I was at the Hibbs manager, I'd be furious. I'd be absolutely furious at am getting sent off. Um I would be so annoyed at that. I'd be so annoyed at, at um, and, you know, as far as I'm concerned, you know, they were in a you know pretty decent position before he gets sent off. I'm not saying that the game wouldn't have turned out the way it did turn out, but you know, he certainly made a thing. They've now lost him for two games. Um boy's an idiot. At some point the penny has to drop. That there's no point yeah. in just trying to stick Rangers players up in the air so you know, the more unhinged element of the Hib support will give you pictures of it. Um, yeah. You know, well, uh, you know you're the, a professional the, football player. The, the thing that annoys me about that challenge is he could have won it
0: without doing that. You know, it was, mm-hmm. it was was I would say it was sort of 70-30 in his favour. But he has, as you say, he has to make a statement. And the whole thing that comes behind it with your usual suspects, I, I find boring. Guys, consciously time. So, Ross, I'll quickly come to you. I know you've been sort of saying that you're, you think your media is... Uh, Sorry, your internet's not too great. We'll we'll give you a bash here. Uh, Just in terms of the season so far, I mean, it's kind of obvious that we've not hit the heights that that, that, that we've hit from last season. Myself and John had a wee chat about this last week. And, you know, his sort of view was, you know, we're not getting as much from the fullbacks. That's that's the main problem. I wouldn't disagree with that. I would agree with that. But one thing I would also say is, I just think far too many players are out of form. You know, when you look at it, I don't think McGregor's made a save of, of not this season you know, Tav and Borna haven't they been great. Connor Golson's form's dipped. Ryan Kent hasn't been playing the same. Ruth, uh, you know, Aribo, uh, Kamara. You know, you could go through that team and none of them have really hit the form that, 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 that they had last season. But despite that, you know, we're only a point off the points total that we had last season. So, I mean, there's positives to be taken, but what do we need to improve on and and, and what is the problem? Why have we not hit those heights
2: that we had last season? In terms of what is the problem? Um, I genuinely think uh, a psychologist would have a field day with this squad. I mean, to try and figure out all of these different factors of, of momentum, of self-belief and confidence, um, you look at Rangers were at their best at the start of last season. That first sort of, let's say, 12-game period at the start of last season, Rangers were imperious and, and absolutely dominant. It wasn't like that the whole way through the season. And kind of February, March, and April, there were some some performances that are very reminiscent of what we're seeing at the start of this year. So, I think when you, you, if you were to ask a psychologist to try and figure out why we're not performing the same way that we were last season, it'll be things like momentum. It'll be things like confidence and belief. We've spoken about confidence a little bit already tonight. You then start to factor in questions. Well, it's the same players, but there's injury, there's COVID. It's been a little bit of stop-start and a bit fragmented. Pre-season wasn't great, so they're probably not feeling as confident and as fresh and and raring to go as they might have done last year. There's not as much on the line this year. I mean, uh, we can talk about stopping the 10. That will have played into the um, the kind of uh, motivational speeches of the coaches last season. Some of them will be thinking that we've achieved what we came here to achieve and does that factor in possibly? Is there something to worry about with crowds being back in? Well, hopefully not, but maybe there is something there as well. So, I think when you add all of that in, like I say, some very smart people could probably sit down and try and work out how how all of that affects a player week on week and the pressures and uh, that's before you get into their private lives and and who's having a tough time away from the park and what's going on with so-and-so's relationships, etc. So all of those different things, I think that we probably don't, I don't think we'll ever fully understand. There's a, there's a degree of separation between the players and the fans and we'll never really get to the bottom of, of everything that's going on. So that probably goes a long way to explaining, or not explaining why we're not playing the same way, but hopefully justifying why, despite the fact that we've not changed the, the playing staff, that we're not playing the same way that we were 12 months ago. What do we need to do to change it? Um, I think a period of stability would help Obviously, we've had a lot of instability, particularly in defence, but really all over the park. You know, with with COVID and with injuries, we've been missing. Um, I mean, Connor Goldson missed the game for the first time in about a decade. It seems over, over the last couple of a couple of weeks, um, we haven't been able to rely fully on either of our fullbacks in the same way that we would done last year. So we've had to chop and change there a little bit. Um, Hillander's injured. Jack Simpson's not living up to to the the promise at this point, so there's been a lot of chopping changing there. Then we've had um, Ryan Kent and Yanis Hadji, two of our most creative forces, have been injured and or COVID or whatever it may have been. So uh, a bit of stability would really, really help I think. Um, And a couple of dominant performances to try and build some of that belief back and get some of that momentum back, uh, We're not going to, like I said at the start of this week's speech, we did not have the dominance of the first 12 games all the way through last season and I I really think that a lot of our March and April football last season is very reminiscent of the football we're playing at the start of this season, so that's okay and we might go on to have a a real spell of dominance and um, that's that's, that's a good thing, that's a very natural thing to have peaks and troughs throughout a season and um, I've sat watching Rangers in this room very, very frustrated over the last two months, um, but we're still in a very good spot. It's all about finishing first, and on uh, at this point, we're very much on track to do so. So um, performances aren't good, but we are in the business of winning. We are winning at the moment. We are on track to win at the end of the year. We know the prize is on offer. I think the players should hopefully have that kind of emphasised to them on a weekly basis. If we keep going there is still something to play for this season because look at where we will be in a year's time and uh, I think if we do that, I still have a, a lot of faith and a lot of belief that we will we'll, we'll find form and we'll, we'll carry on turning out um, winning performances. John, quickly, uh,
0: you know, as Ross made some good points here, you know, as I said, we're, we're only a point off the points total that we had last season. We've put a bit of distance, six points between us and Celtic, we're four points ahead of Hibs, we could put a bit of distance between us and Harps next week if we beat them my biggest fear is going, you know we've had all the sort of tough games at home you know, we've now got to go to, once we get Harps out the road, we've we've then got to go to Putaudry we've then got to go to Celtic Park and Easter Road and and Tyne Castle I think all before Christmas but I also feel any kind of extended run of form could be enough this season, you know what I mean because I, I, I do think Celtic are a bit of a shambles at the moment and I'm not convinced that Hibs and Hearts will have the legs to, to to keep going until the end of the season. So,
1: positives and negatives to take, how how do you feel about it in terms of moving forward? Yeah, I mean, in terms of the league, I agree entirely with, with yourself and Ross there. I and mean, the analysis to spot on. I, I also don't think Hibs or Hearts are, have the squad to put in a, a season-long challenge. They've both, you know, particularly Hearts, you know, they've had a... Uh, uh a pretty decent start to the season um and seem to be playing well and hard to beat. but i think like all of us i'll be very disappointed if we don't beat them at the weekend um you know you would still expect to be arts at home you want to win the league you need to be arts at home you know that, that's just one of these things um celtic clearly still are you know hit and miss um you know they still are clearly capable of putting six past some teams and and then you know then losing the next game so you know long may that continue um i don't see them sorting that out much before the january break and you know i don't think celtic have the kind of money um that they had um three or four seasons ago just now so um how they'll go about sorting that problem is their problem is you know unfortunately don't have to worry about that and um, i just hope they don't so you know the league is ours to lose um and if we can find a better form then 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 i don't see any issues there um, I think the biggest disappointment this season has been Europe um, yeah. for the first time under Gerard. And I think actually, you know, that was one of the reasons I think the support got behind Gerard because you could see what he was doing and our performances in Europe and the way we played, not just winning, but but the style of football we were playing, um, you know, was so integral to what Gerard was trying to do and, and became so much of. of, of of what we loved about the, the football we're playing and, and the style um and so to see us this season struggle in europe you know and we have struggled you know we've been poor yeah. um and i think that's probably the biggest frustration and the biggest disappointment and i think that's possibly why this season feels like a bit of a it hasn't really got going yet you know we're, yeah. we're all a wee bit disappointed where in reality um you know we should be fairly happy where we are but um you know if we had been offered six points ahead of celtic um, top of the league um, at this stage, uh, you know. If we'd given us that at the start of the season, we've all said, "Yeah, thanks very much." You know, yeah. I'll, I'll take that. Um, you know, and yeah, here we are. You know, and, and well, you're, you're right. We're not. You know, we haven't. You know, there's too many players just not quite hit the heights of last season, and, and maybe they won't. You know, maybe it'll be one of those seasons where you know we just never quite quite hit the heights. We're just doing off. Um, as long as we do enough, then that's fine. Because, like you say, the big prize is his qualification next season.
0: Right, guys, looking at the, the, the clock there, we've, we've overran a wee bit, but that's fine. You know, uh, keeps Frankie up for another wee 10 minutes. Uh, right, guys, thanks for that. So a big thanks to, to to Ross and John for their contributions. Great stuff from them, as always. Uh, we'll try and get a preview show out on Friday night uh, for the big game on Saturday against Hearts. And obviously we'll have the flagship show next week on Sunday, looking at that game. And then... Meantime, get yourself onto the JersNet website and forums at ww.jaznet.co.uk. Guys, look after yourself, have a have a good week and we uh, well see you next week. And until next time, bye for now.